recovering. It's about getting back to who we really are and what we're really here for. Give me your strength and show me your weakness. We're in this together now. We're in this together now. Hi. Welcome to this third podcast in this series. This is Recovering with Jennifer Don Watts. I am not Jennifer Don Watts. I am <laughs> Dan Hines, but I am a guest here with Jennifer. And we've been talking the last two podcasts were about faith, about how we hold the tension between passionate understandings about about God, about Jesus, about our relationship to the world around us. And that drifted into then the second one, which was a bit of a surprise for us both, where we got talking about evil and (laughs) (laughs) the darkness and uh, just how to hold and live our lives and be agents of healing in the world that is these difficult forces. And now uh, this podcast, we were talking in kind of the flux of this day about what we wanted to do next. And we were holding one, an idea, a theme of one, and we thought that we would give it a try today. And it's to do with vulnerability as leaders, how real, how do we show up with our own joy and shame and sorrow and heartbreak and freedom and be open to who we are when we're in these different roles that we play and different expectations and different social conformities that we have been shaped in. So that's kind of where we thought we were going with this encounter. And I'm excited, Jennifer, to be able to see where we go with this. Yeah, me too. I feel like we've covered two of the topics that you're never supposed to talk about, religion (laughs) and hell. And so now we're on to vulnerability. So I feel like we could really kill a room with this. If it was live, it'd be crickets. Pretty much this party is over pretty much. (laughs) But we're on a podcast and we can do whatever we want. So welcome. Um, But on on another Uh, hand, hmm. I really feel like there is something about vulnerability that's very Mm -hmm. popular right now. And people do want to learn about it. And for me... Sometimes I prefer words like being genuine, Mm -hmm. real is a favorite of mine, authentic, because I feel like vulnerability means that we're like vulnerable to being hurt or harmed. Mm -hmm. And I really do see this incredible capacity in humans and their true power, which I mentioned in a previous episode. Yes, I believe we're powerless over the lie, but no, I don't believe that we're completely powerless. And there is this power within humans. And when they are being real, it's actually their most powerful place. It's a grounded power. And so I see vulnerability as like not really being vulnerable to harm, but actually as a strength and as a place of courage and a channel of that light. And so, yeah, I think it's super important to talk about and to not misunderstand what it means. We've also talked about there are times because it's a hot topic right now where people have this kind of pseudo vulnerability that doesn't really seem Mm -hmm. like real vulnerability and it feels off and it feels like just a better disguised ego, like another mask to wear. And so, yeah, I just think that it's really helpful for people listening as part of their journey, recovering who they really are 
Well, I mean, that's what this is about, right? Is just how do you be who you really are when it feels risky? And I can certainly identify with that in my own life. Do you feel like that's something for you right now? Like, do you feel vulnerable at this point? Or, I mean, I know there's waves of it, but for me in general right now, especially it feels like a vulnerable time. It does. It does. I, I was thinking just now too, that it seems obvious to me now, but it hasn't been obvious to me along the way, which is that my, my professional training, especially as a, as a priest was really about putting out a certain amount of strength all the time, like confidence, Mm -hmm. because you were in a role where people had that expectation that you had wisdom and you were grounded and solid and you had your own, you know, spiritual resources. And you were in that role and recognized in that role because you were there to be a source of strength and confidence for others to rely on, you know, for guidance or for pastoral support or, and, but there was a, there was a remoteness I was taught along the way to keep a certain amount of who I was hidden from view that that, especially if it was my own struggles, something that would maybe erode the confidence that others might place in me as a, as a good effective leader. There was a professional distance and and a caution around and I was even taught at seminary, this is true, a uh, story here. One of my mentors said, you know, don't ever become a friend with anyone in your parish. Hmm. Don't ever become a friend because you're not there to be their friend. You're there to be their pastor or priest. And it's not about friendship. And now I looking back at that, I think it's distorted. I don't agree. Like I don't agree. I think there's so much about the risk of a soul connection and, and a mutuality and a ability for both people in any situation to be as warm and alive and real as possible. So, and maybe that was, you know, that's a, it's a cultural thing. It's, I I would also identify it as a male energy because I know I've been socialized as a male in this culture, that there's that element to it as well, which is already a bit compartmentalized, a bit distant, a bit cut off from my own heart and my own, body and, and definitely anything that was difficult or shameful and to always kind of show up in the place of strength. And so, yeah. So, you know, your, your initial question was, you know, do I feel more like of, a, of, a, of an opening and invitation, a recognition of the value of being authentic and bringing my whole experience into the relationships and, and whatever role I'm in. Yeah. That's my growing edge of how I'm showing up in the world and what I want to offer. Uh, the bigger, I guess the big revelation for me was that I have nothing left to give. Like that's it. You know, I got some skills, I got some tricks, I can do some things, but I, if I don't show up as Dan, like really with all of his fucked up, messed up, limitations and strengths and my own shadow, my own projections, my own misunderstandings, my own sometimes desperate needs, sometimes incredible wisdom. If I don't show up at the whole enchilada, the whole package of who I am and that's not there and visible, then I cannot be trusted. We only trust people when we know who they are. 
on deep level. We can trust people up to a certain point, but we can only really get it. And that's where the transformation takes place. That's where the healing happens is when we really deeply uh, trust someone and we can only trust them when we know that the person who's in front of us is pretty close to who they are. And then I can let down my defenses and I can actually open up my heart to that person. But if I smell in, 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 I mean, we're, you know, I always say that my soul has an immune system. It's very, very aware of pathogens in the form of other people with agendas or who are not being real. And it's like they put out energy that my soul has to protect me from. And it can be so subtle. Our immune systems and my soul's immune system is so sensitive. So when it detects the falseness in another person, it activates. And then we get into this game of, I will, you know, I'll give you back what I think you need or want from me. And we'll just play a game of matching expectations, but I won't really, I can't take the chance of allowing your pathogen to overcome my immune system and invade my soul. But when I'm with someone who is really authentically lovingly done their work and they show up in this natural, organic, wild, you know, untamed state, and they're not playing games with me, and they really do, I can sense that there's a real thing, that there's a real McCoy, then I can, uh, my system can, can just, the defenses can lower, and I can then really take in the energy of this person and, uh, the, and, and reciprocate, and there's a mutual flow then between us that can happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said a lot. <laughs> I don't know where to jump in. I appreciate all of that. Yeah, it's nice to listen to you and, you know, ultimately to hear you share in a vulnerable, authentic way mm-hmm. about your experience. And, you know, sometimes that is just what it's about is listening. You know, we have an episode earlier mm-hmm. on this podcast about learning to listen. And so, yeah, I think sometimes even for me, being my true authentic self and my soul is, uh, my soul wants to receive, my soul wants to listen and to presence another human being. And so, you know, I suppose I would say vulnerability or authenticity is not just speaking or saying the truth or what's risky, but it's also receiving another person and taking in what they're saying and, Yeah. And I mean, it can be really tough. Like you said, if there are those pathogens, I'm very aware of someone else's shaming energy, someone else's manipulative energy. I'm really also aware of people who are very closed off and I find it really draining to be in their presence because they're so guarded that the topics all seem, you know, kind of frivolous and unimportant and nothing I can really connect with. And not only that, People with a more closed energy don't seem to want to engage. So then that's really tough because, you know, it's kind of like, what are we doing then, right? I think that's more just for me where I really try to offer presence when I feel led. But I've also had to learn when to say, hey, this environment just isn't good for me or healthy or life-giving. So it's tricky because sometimes I can be too closed And I need to open up to being that channel of light in a variety of places when I'm more comfortable being on my own. But there are other times where I've really had to learn to protect my energy. 
I, mm-hmm. I was even saying recently on Twitter, which was a, it was really one of the things people connected with the most ever that I've said on there. And I write something, you know, I put something out there every day, whether it's a quote or something of my own, but I had said, I've never been able to handle what most people can. I could only do three classes per semester at university. Well, you know, I'd taken more, but I'd have to drop them because I would be struggling with anxiety and depression, et cetera. It'd be too much. It took me six years to get my BA when the expectation is that it would take four. It took me a long time to get my master's too. I haven't counted up the years, but it certainly wasn't the two years that is expected. And it was really hard, the whole journey. I thought, I can't do this. And I still need more rest than most people. I tire easily. I cry easily. I'm sensitive. Ultimately, I'm a highly sensitive person. And I have chosen to remove, you know, the masks and the defenses that a lot of people go out there with. And so I pick up a lot more. I feel a lot more things affect me more deeply. And so, yeah, I think that because of that level of vulnerability, I feel in general at times, I just have to protect myself. I have to protect my energy. But what I'd said in the tweet is in spite of all that, you know, I'm a successful therapist. I'm an, I'm a CEO. I'm a church planter who's planted two churches, you know, so it's okay. Like it's, it doesn't mean that I'm weak. And for those listening, if you're highly sensitive, it doesn't mean that you're weak. Going at your own pace is wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so even when I think about this podcast, like, you know, there is this expectation, you know, an episode every week and keep it going. And, you know, you just got to keep producing content upon content. And for me, I just have to go where I'm led. And I was led to do other things during the year between season two and season three. And that's okay. And there's still a season three. And I have to go where spirit leads. And maybe Mm -hmm. this will be the last season. Maybe there'll be a lot more episodes. I really don't know. But part of me holding that expectation, even with this podcast, is like, this is me living the real recovery journey that I believe in one day at a time and like going where I'm led. And so it, it that even that's vulnerable because it's mm-hmm. like, well, what am I going to do next? Well, I don't know. <laughs> so I just have, it's a lot of trust. Exactly. And you're on a bit of a journey yourself right now too of trust. Both of us are. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Sometimes I say I'm 56 years old and I don't know what I want to do when I grow up because it's true. I still am trying to, Yeah, I'm just trying to be true to the responsibilities that I feel at the same time, something deeper within me that is not about the expectations of others or what the world needs or what I think the world needs from me, but just to be true, you know? So it's led me to, it was nine years ago to decide just to put myself out to the universe and to try to see what it'd be like to guide these small circles where people can gather and just raise questions to the surface that maybe they've been holding for a while or repressing or, and to be able to gently hear their own wisdom and to hear it spoken out loud. And so that felt like a very strong, clear calling to me that I discerned with others in a small group and spoke the words that I was ready to freelance or be unemployed or whatever you wanted to call what I ended up doing. But, but it's been magical, you know, it's been an incredible journey to, just trust and lean into that. And that's continuing for me, but now it's, there's some other 
nuances to it and ways of doing it that have shown up along the way. And yeah, but to be really open to that and to, we talk about vulnerability too. I, I think more and more I prefer the word trust, like trusting my heart, trusting my intuition, trusting my inner guidance system. You know, you and I both love this poem. There's a thread you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. You have to explain about the thread, but it's hard for others to see. While you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen, people get sick or hurt, and you suffer and get old. Nothing you do can stop times unfolding. You don't ever let go of the thread, right? William Stafford's poem called The Way It Is. And that's it, you know, so this uh, vulnerability is about holding the thread. It's about trying to explain it to others, but it's hard for others to see it. And so the vulnerability, that the edginess to this for me is not even sometimes being able to explain it to myself, mm. you know? Yeah, not, not in the kind of ways I build some type of rational security, you know, and, and confidence, but... Yeah, just to put it out there. Yeah, yeah, and I think both of us are in this phase right now where we have felt these deeper dreams or a calling, mm. uh, desire to do more or other tasks, add to our constant vocation, but it kind of evolves and changes and takes different forms. And so what I think is so interesting is that you know, you'll see everywhere these Instagram quotes and everything. You'll always hear people say things like follow your dreams, you know, and, and every version of that that you can imagine. And that's great. I mean, that's true. Follow your bliss, you know, do what makes you come alive, you know, all of these things. But what's interesting in my experience that I'm seeing on a, on a much deeper level than I ever have before is if you do choose to do that, which I can only speak from my own experience, I highly recommend. So whoever's listening, whatever that is that you're really drawn towards. Now, I do believe doing it in a wise way. I really seek wise counsel. I don't, mm -hmm. I take my time. I don't make rash decisions because timing really matters too. But Dan and I are both doing things now. Like I've retired as a therapist and making that decision to actually retire as a therapist was huge for me in order to make room for these other projects that I'm working on. And it was the end of, you know, kind of an identity, uh, income source, a bunch of things. And so, you know, and then I've moved, I have now been, you know, without a place to really call home, I've been renting for some time, a few different places and considering a third now. And that's really hard with children, but it really seems to be part of the journey that I'm on. And I'm not the first in the history of the way of people who have, you know, Jesus says that, you know, son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So I'm not really homeless and I can't really join so many humans that are truly suffering on the planet. So they seem like smaller problems, but it's still disruptive. And you're on a journey where you've just moved out of your home of what, nine years mm -hmm. and you, you know, are following this dream and, you know, about to potentially purchase this boat, which has been a long time dream. And host people on that, et cetera. And so your home environment will change. It's not just a change of home, but the actual type of home you'll be living on and living in. And so what strikes me about this idea of vulnerability is again, not just sharing what feels risky or potentially embarrassing, et cetera, but also this, you know, Father Richard Rohr talks about order, disorder, 
reorder. And that's, it just has to be that way. That's how people grow. And so there is this disorder stage that people are in when they follow their dreams. And nobody ever really tells you that. Like you'll feel like you're going crazy. People won't understand you. You may get shamed. You'll feel like that unsettled, potentially anxiety. You might not sleep as well, but that that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're on the wrong track. In fact, you could really be on the right track. So that's a kind of vulnerability that I was like, we're both experiencing a bit of that right now. Yeah, this has been tracked by some very wise people who kind of described it in terms um, uh, of there needs to be a place of emptiness at some point Mm -hmm. if you're going to grow, if you're really going to move into a deeper vocation, you have to unlearn and undo some things that you've done. You know, you have to... There's a wonderful poem by David White called, you know, breaking a promise. You have to even go to the place where you actually break some promises that you've made to yourself and to others in order to really remain true to who you are in order to move into the next place in your life. And I so appreciate his poetic honesty to name it because I think I soft pedal it to myself and call it renegotiating or reconsidering or realigning, but he's, he's a poet. So he's, he's able to be a little more brutal and he can just say, no, you know, Dan, it's actually, you have, sometimes you have to break these old promises because they're no longer valid anymore and you've got to let them go. But in the meantime, you're right. I, I think we don't do a good job mentoring and teaching each other about how to really step into that limbic disordered state, a disoriented moment uh, where it is really confusing, really difficult because you have to let go. You know, it's, you have to let go of this old identity before you can sort of merge into the new one. And I think the best metaphor I have ever encountered by far is this metamorphosis between the caterpillar and the butterfly. You know, it's an old, it's an old uh, metaphor and it's maybe overused, but it's the best one I know. And what I love about it is the, the goop, the goop, <laughs> I the, love goop, the stage. goop I love and the I, goop. I, lo- I love the, the tell, I, tell I, the I, listeners. Cause I didn't know about the goop until oh, sometime yeah. in the last year. Well, here, here's the, here, the amazing part is so you got this caterpillar who's just consuming. That's all it knows how to do. It just consumes and eats and eats and, eats and eats and eats. Yeah, exactly. It gets big and <laughs> big and like eats. Both like in terms of the world and consumerism and also how much I am capable of eating, especially yeah, when I'm eating my feelings. For me too. So, the, so then uh, the, this, this caterpillar consumes and then something triggers in its body and it, and it goes into this cocoon and, and creates this cocoon. And then there were cells in that caterpillar that are latent that have been asleep and they fire up, but they've been there, but they all of a sudden ignite these imaginal cells. And that's the butterfly coming into being. But what's amazing is the caterpillar fights the cells. Hmm. The caterpillar's immune system tries to take them out. Wow. And there's a battle raging within the caterpillar as the old caterpillar is clinging desperately (laughs) to its old form and it's fighting these new cells. But the new cells are like, aggressive cancer. I mean, they're like, they grow at such an exponential rate. They overwhelm the caterpillar's immune system and they consume the caterpillar. They actually, that's the goo, the goo stage uses the caterpillar for fuel and consumes and eats the old caterpillar right up until it becomes a butterfly. And it's basically, you know, consume this old creature. What I love about that version of metamorphosis or, uh, 
deep change is that it says that it's, it's not a simple process, that it's very difficult. And it also, it's very honest because it involves death Mm. and broken promises and being overwhelmed and it's messy and gooey and it's, (laughs) it's, it's scary and preach brother. I'm feeling this. So what so that's it. Yeah. And so you and you and I, in some ways, you know, right now we're talking to each other. And I think this reason uh, for all those people who are listening to our conversation, you need to know that you're talking to two folks in the cocoon right now. Um, oh both, yeah. I'm, but, I'm fully, yeah. I feel my <laughs> yeah. immune cells yeah. trying to fight and battle and devour the sure. vaginal cells or whatever's happening. I feel it. I feel it raging on. And it's so interesting because yeah. what comes up for me is a story from my own life recently and it does feel vulnerable to share, which feels appropriate. You know, I really felt myself debating, like, should I say this? Shouldn't I? Which is risky, but you know, it's a vulnerability episode. So that I think okay. that's the prompting, but you know, I have been praying for a long time about meeting someone and I've dated a bit, but I've spent a large part of the last seven years since my husband and I separated seven and a half or so or whatever on my own. And it's been really hard and really lonely. And you know, Dan, I mean, how much I long to be in a relationship and I'm Mm -hmm. very relational. And so when I met my boyfriend and we've known each other a long time, but when we connected and no, it wasn't when we had sex, you know, I know it's going to sound like that in the story. We didn't, we didn't, we just like kissed and made out a bit, but But when that happened and there was this really, it was such a profound experience. I couldn't talk about it for a long time. I still struggle. Sometimes the things that happen in our life that are the most profound, if we try to speak about them, it almost cheapens it Mm because there's no words. Mm -hmm. But the reason I'm speaking about it now is because if anyone else does follow the thread I think that these experiences will happen to all of us. And it's this idea of the holy. And so when I was falling in love, it was the first time that I really understood why it's called falling. Because I felt like I was falling. I felt like something was happening to me. Love was happening to me. And I didn't have control over it. And I felt myself... I felt my ego like grasping for control. And the, the only thing that I thought of as like imagery was like almost like I was falling and like I was scratching with my nails to try to like get myself out of what was happening and like grasp for some sort of control of something. And it was the weirdest feeling. And so that isn't like me. Normally, I didn't realize up until this point in my other relationships, I felt like I had quite a level of control. So I'd never had that feeling. And so it was the first time that I started to think about death. And I started to think about how I do really believe in this goodness. And I really encounter this good and loving source. And I believe in the things that I shared in the first episode. I really do to the best of my ability. Of course, I have doubts, but that's the closest thing that feels true to me. And I thought about how quickly life has gone. And I thought about when it comes time to die, like I've blinked and I'm halfway through and then I'll blink again and it'll probably be time And I thought, oh, I bet death feels like this, but way more. This idea of trying to relax into what's next, what feels really, really good. 
but also trying to maintain control and hold on to life and like mm-hmm. scrambling and mm-hmm. not wanting to release into it. And I was like, oh, I bet that's what it feels like. And it, it's probably hard to release into it. So even though something really good was happening to me and is, it feels very hard to relax into it. And of course, then it gets complicated and there's other, another human and there's, you know, our issues and stuff. And I think everybody who's been in intimate relationship will know that we push each other's buttons. And, mm-hmm. and that's actually, you know, even though it's not enjoyable, it's, you know, my supervisor would say it's a gift because they're showing you where the buttons are They're You're magnetized to them so that they can help heal you by revealing where those issues are. But nonetheless, you know, when you talk about is particularly when you talked about that fight within the caterpillar, mm-hmm. I, that really resonates for me. And it just felt like a good time for anyone else out there to hear if you're finding something that's good. Like so often we're, we think we're afraid of bad. You know, we've talked about evil. We've talked about wars. Mm-hmm. We've talked about all this stuff. And I thought that for myself, I thought, oh, I'm just hypervigilant against bad things. I just want my kids to be safe. You know, I don't want to get sick, et cetera. But I never realized how terrified I am of what's good. And it's funny because I was talking to one spiritual teacher about this and I was explaining this and he said, oh, he said, oh, that's normal. He said that feeling of um, not good enough, like you feel like you don't deserve it or whatever. And I was like, no, I said, I don't, that doesn't really resonate with me. I said, I, I feel actually afraid, like this kind of terror of like, it's going to, I'm going to be tricked or something bad's going to happen. He goes, oh, you're a cynic. And no one's ever said that to me before. I mean, I seem pretty positive. They're like, they wouldn't think of me like that. But I was like, Hmm. it's true. I have the cynicism of like, I've been duped enough times now. You're not going to trick me, you know? And so that's why I'm terrified of what's good because I don't feel like I can trust it. And that's right back to what you were saying about vulnerability mm-hmm. is it is about trust, right? And I've heard that before that the only question you'll ever, every problem that you have, you know, for those people that believe will boil down to the question of, is God trustworthy? Mm-hmm. And then once you answer that, then you'll be okay. So yeah, anyhow, that's been my experience lately. And I, I'm so grateful for it because I just feel that feeling of like, I want to let go. I want to surrender. I desperately desire what's good, but I've never realized the level of resistance in me that also wants things to stay the same. And I, I do. There's some about being a caterpillar that's just familiar, you know? Yeah. And this speaks to, I, I think the the heart of it, which is about control, you know, for me too. I, I want to be able to grow and control the growth. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And I, I want to be able that. to do it with a way that, you know, that I can have some ability to domesticate it, you know, and keep it in my own timing and readiness. But, but it's a wild process. Mm-hmm. It's essentially wild and it's free and it, doesn't lend itself the minute I try to control it I miss it like I I come up with something not quite as as real and I uh, lately I've been wondering how wild it really is like how crazy it really can be Mm. and where would it go if I took off all the restraints you know to to what I know is true for me and where I'm really being called to go and to do and to be and who this person really is if he's not repressed and shut down and limited and afraid. And if I was free 
to just really truly be because there's still some very dominant voices in me about being responsible. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. What about being a good parent for those listening? How many times does being a good parent override dreams and inspiration and intuition? Yeah. And being a noble, you know, for me, being as a sort of a noble, heroic person who's, you know, living his life in this almost kind of a, uh, really a kind of a martyr, you know, a sacrificing in order to do what's right. And, Definitely. I mean, there's so many things that get in the way for sure. And I think that, you know, for me, the only way now that I've been able to live into this as much full tilt as I'm able, which I'm sure that there's more, but that's, that's about, I mean, I'm in about as much of a high gear that I can be is one day at a time. Like that's that's where these spiritual principles and practices, you know, even earlier today we had some, you know, really weird frequency that came in the way of some of this work that we're trying to do. And it's kind of weird because we just did the episode on like evil and the lie and stuff. And so then we got this weird energy coming in and, you know, we've got to kind of protect the space when we're trying to create. And so we did spiritual practices, you know, and we were able to meditate and pray. We did what you talked about, that one-to-one sharing that's really honest and that thank you. I mean, that helped Mm -hmm. me clear away some of my own stuff that was going on that might block this channel to be able to share. And I certainly felt vulnerable, but I can't do it when I think about the mountain ahead of me and the what ifs and the risk. It just is too much. So I just have to ground in the now and just go like, this is all I've got. Right. And I feel more than ever that voice that's really clear of goodness of like, this is the next right thing. And so for those listening, it might not be something huge and dramatic. Like it may just be hitting a recovery meeting and that may be really risky and really vulnerable. When Mm -hmm. I went to my first recovery meeting, that was scary. And I remember being like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to see a client there. Uh, This is going to be embarrassing. And like I had to go into church, which I hadn't been in in a long time. So that felt super vulnerable and weird. And I didn't know if I'd know the person at the front door, which is kind of paranoid, but that's sort of me sometimes. And then I'm in with all these strangers. And then I was really defensive. I was like, these people are going to help me. I don't think so. You know, such a snob. So, but that was vulnerability for me then. Sometimes it is saying no to -hmm. your partner. And even that conversation and trying to find that grounded, honest energy and saying no can feel really risky and we might not want to hurt them or we might not want to cause an argument, et cetera. So there's so many ways this can look. The fact that it happens to be for us now moving and doing new vocation, et cetera, that's fine. But I also just think, yeah, there's a lot of things that feel like this. And so one day at a time has always come in handy. I feel like ever since they taught it to me way back when that was the very first meeting I had. And I was like, I just can't imagine doing this stuff for the rest of my life. And the guy just put his hand on my arm and he's like, today, could you imagine doing this today? And I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, that's it. Tomorrow you can do whatever the hell you want. Just try today. I'm like, okay. The way I've kind of expanded on the idea of one day at a time and just really being present to what is in the moment and not getting beyond myself is from the learning with the traditional navigators and the wayfinders Mm -hmm. I've had a chance to spend time with who teach me that in traditional navigation, when you're out in the open ocean, you don't ever leave the deck of the boat. Hmm. You don't go to bird's eye perspective. You don't map it. 
there's no projection. There's no reduction of the multi-sensory experience you're having in the present moment where you're holding the vision and this bearing is coming to you through the motions in the ocean itself, the way the boat dances and the way your body feels and what you're noticing with everything attuned and fired up and awake and alive. And that's what you hold. And the other powerful part of this teaching is that the boat isn't moving. The boat is the still point. Hmm. Your body as the navigator is the center of the universe. You are holding this and the islands are moving around you. And as you hold stationary and as you stay present to the moment, you're moving towards where you want to go for sure. But you are bringing it to you in your imagination and the way in your perspective. So how to be present to the moment for me or how to be live for today is about navigating right at deck level, right with what my senses, my body, my heart, my mind is telling me in the moment and being true to it and trying not to strategize or analyze or get too far trying to map this thing out. And and because a mapping for me is a form of control. It's trying to reduce it into something that I can then guarantee success and I can make it and have success for me narrowly defined by as what it needs to look like exactly. And just to be open to the fact that I'm making progress, that I'm moving towards where I, where I want to go, that I'm just staying true to what it feels like. And that's enough guidance for the day. That's enough for this day, for this moment. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I, Mm -hmm. I really mean that. Like I, I really appreciate your understanding of wayfinding. It's been meaningful to me and so many others. The same as 12 step. There's something about when we study something for a long time and we can bring that to others. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, I feel like this might be a good place to close. So tell me and think about this. I really love that idea you were just putting forth of envisioning the island and bringing the island towards us. And I love it because, you know, it fits along with some people who believe in co-creating or manifesting Mm -hmm. if it's for me you know as a follower of jesus because one of the questions jesus asks like even to the blind man before he heals him is what do you want Mm -hmm. you know so this question of what do you want and then even envisioning bringing it towards us feels really meaningful so that would be the question that i would want to leave the listener with and i think that's the question that we can both consider even more so as well is What is the island that you're envisioning? What are you hoping to reach and what do you want to bring towards you? What is the island? And so, yeah, that feels like a good meditation and a place to close. Mm, Love it. Okay, well, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, yeah, (laughs) we'll join you again. Yeah, we'll do it again. Recovering is about listening and it's also about remembering those out there that are just like us in spiritual need. So carry the message. You can write a review on iTunes. You can share this on Facebook or Twitter, or even text the link to a friend. To keep it, we have to give it away. Cause we're in this together now.